Welcome to Sci Section. My name is Raj, and I'm the journalist for the Sci Section Radio Show, broadcast on CFMU 93.3 FM. We are here today with Orbax. Thank you for taking the time to meet with me. No problem. Thank you for having me on the Sci Section. So, uh, to begin, how did you get the name uh, Orbax? Oh, well, that was the name I chose for myself. Um, I, as, as some of your listeners may or may not know, uh, I'm a uh, was well I, I was started out I guess my career as a physicist and then at the same time started getting more and more in entertainment um, and I've uh, spent the last 20 years touring the world with my brother in a uh, traveling freak show daredevil circus sideshow um, so it was a name that I chose for that uh, but it also came along at a pivotal point in my life where I needed to, where I felt I needed to make a lot of decisions about my life going forward. And so I decided to choose that as my name in a, in a sort of a, a moment of solidarity or of thinking of a way of what I felt represented myself personally. So that's the name that I go by and it's been about 20 years now. Um, and yeah, that's the answer to that. <laughs> and, uh, so which came first, your show business or uh, choosing physics as your profession? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that nobody ever really chooses physics. Physics kind of chooses you. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I uh, grew up in a pretty small town uh, down in southwestern Ontario. Um, actually, I grew up outside of a pretty small town. Um, and I was always interested in the sciences from a, you know, a, a very early age going forward. Um, partly because I, I, I always want to know how things work and why things work. Um, and I think when you're a kid, you know, when you have the, the question why always ricocheting around inside your head, it kind of ends up leading you towards the sciences. Um, so honestly, I chose physics coming out of high school because it was the hardest of the disciplines to do for me. Um, and I felt that if I was going to university, which was something that I was paying for myself, having to work part-time jobs and other jobs, um, that I should do something that I needed to get guidance from other people for rather than something I could just pick up on my own. Um, so I did an undergraduate degree in physics with a, a physics major and a math minor. And then I started a master's degree in physics, which was kind of around the time where I actually started to learn what physics was and how much I really did love it. I was working with Dr. John Dutcher on polymer physics. And the great thing about working in his lab was I got to do an experiment from the ground up. You got to come up with the idea for the experiment. You got to build it. You got to create the apparatus on which it was going to be measured. And then you would learn a measuring technique and actually do it. So you got to learn every element of doing science instead of just sitting in front of a screen watching blips appear and doing some math. Um, so it was around that time that I also started entertaining. So I'd, I'd always kind of been interested in entertaining. Um, I'd done, you know, school plays and stuff like that when I was in, in high school, but you know, we didn't have necessarily uh, the social media network back then in the 90s like you would now. So there was no real way for somebody to really get into comedy or get into movies or get into any of that without moving to Hollywood or to a lesser extent moving to Vancouver. So I kind of just got into this weird, bizarre form of entertainment on my own, sort of in tandem there right around the last year of my undergraduate degree and in my master's. Um, so I was doing that. I was doing pro wrestling at the time as well. And uh, I kind of had both of those side by side for quite a while until I decided to drop out of my PhD. 
Okay, and uh, so I can see from that, uh, from going into a lab and working there and making your own experiments is where your show business developed. But uh, I'm, maybe some of our uh, listeners might know that you're, uh, you and your brother both are Guinness World Record holders. Mm-hmm. Yep, we've uh, currently broken 26 Guinness World Records. 26. Wow. And <laughs> <laughs> that's not something you hear every day. And I do. I, I mention it pretty much all the time. So it, uh, barely a day goes by that I don't mention it. But I understand that other people uh, <laughs> probably <laughs> don't have that experience. And out of those 26, which one would you say is your most favorite? That's a tough one. Um, there's a bunch that I like for different reasons. Uh, like I mentioned before, my brother and I do like a daredevil show. And so a lot of the stunts are, are I guess, you know, you'd call quote unquote extreme, or at least are more on the uh, side of pushing physical endurance. Um, one of my favorite ones is my brother has the record for the most mousetraps released on a human tongue consecutively in one minute. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first record we ever broke and I love that one because that one's probably gotten us to travel the most out of it because we did it, we flew it to Vancouver and we did it on breakfast television in Vancouver is when we set it. Um, we flew to Italy to do an Italian Guinness World Records TV show, uh, which we got to, I mean, I, we'd never gotten to go to Italy otherwise. So that was an amazing experience, experience just on its own. And then after that, it even flew us to, to Hollywood, California, where we shot... Um, I guess the show ended up for True TV, uh, but we got to do it for that. So that was the favorite favorite one that I got to be a part of. My favorite one that we've ever done. I mean, I love my first one uh, was in 2011, I think. And I broke the record for the furthest distance to pull a 9,000 pound truck with two shark hooks inserted in the skin of your back. So that's probably my favorite because it was a huge epic thing for me. It was a real physical bit of endurance. Um, I sustained a pretty uh, terrible injury during it uh, where I tore my bicep. So for about four or five years, I couldn't really lift my left arm above my shoulder. Um, But I've recovered that now. You can't see that out there, listeners, but this is the sound of my arm being raised above the shoulder. Um, But it was a, (laughs) it's a, it's okay to laugh, Raj. Uh, <laughs> but this was a, that was a really big thing for me. And it was a really huge achievement on my part that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, now actually I actually have a question about that. Is sure. Going into it, is there a certain amount of preparation that you do for that? Like how does one prepare for such a stunt? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the question, I guess, in the end. Um, Some of the things that we've gotten records for are uh, variations of stunts that we do in the show. So like, for example, the mousetrap on the tongue. Pepper does one mousetrap on the tongue in a show. Uh, And we were like, how could we really cement our place in the the history or the lexicon of of our business of of, of, of freak show, of sideshow? And that would be with the most in a minute. So that was a variation of that. We've done, I've done stuff with flesh hooks, you know, now for 20, 25 years. Uh, the truck pull was sort of a variation of that. Um, so in terms of preparing for the physicality of the stunt, a lot of times it's been, you know, years of just 
performing that stunt and kind of understanding what the potential limits could be in terms of preparing to do it as a record. That's a whole nother thing. Cause often in these records, you've only got one shot at it. So like when you fly to Italy and you're, you're, you know, getting paid and you're being flown and you're doing this on Italian TV, you've got one shot to make this actually happen. Um, so a lot of it is kind of dealing with this. A lot of the preparation for that record doesn't come from the physical breaking of the record itself, but it comes from the mental preparation of the stress that's involved around that. For sure. And uh, is there any amount of physics that you apply your workouts before doing any stunt? Uh, very little, but I always say that there is. I mean, <laughs> physics tells you how to fall down, uh, mm-hmm. so there's always that. But no, I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, when you watch the the stunts that we do in our show, a lot of people think that they're, um, you know, that it's not thought out. And on the contrary to that, there's actually a ton of thought that goes into it. And I don't know if I would say there's a lot of physics involved so much as I would say that there's a lot of logical thinking, critical thinking, and applications of what you would apply with the scientific method, you know? You you sort of try to, to, to weigh the pros and cons, you mitigate the danger that's involved, and I think the type of, of thought process that comes from studying science uh, can be applied to evaluating how to properly do a stunt. Yeah, because uh, now I keep coming back to your favorite stunt, like the... <laughs> the hook uh the hooks that are in your skin on your back and you're pulling a truck right yep and nine thousand pound truck nine thousand pounds like that's very specific like a truck out of all things so is there certain calculations or you get advice from a a doctor yeah yeah so i mean well i mean yeah the advice from the doctor is don't do it uh And then I usually seek out uh, doctors who I'm friends with and they say, I mean, if you want to, Uh, but uh, yeah. So with stuff like that, I definitely have pulled, that was probably the heaviest thing I've ever pulled. Um, But yeah, there is basic calculations that go into it. I mean, we've done, we used to do a lot of work on daily planet. So we would go in and daily planet would request ideas for the science behind things. So we put together a series of like the science behind certain stunts and uh, so for those types of things, we would really get down to the nuts and bolts of what's involved, um, do some calculations and really show the science behind it. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that that makes much more sense because if you just think about going through a trial and error phase for something like that. Yeah, yeah would I wouldn't recommend it. To, yeah, to hurt. I, to I guess... I guess this is the, the type of thing that at the beginning we should really say, don't try this at home uh, before <laughs> this interview starts. But you're right. I mean, you know, the, 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 it's, it's funny. Trial and error is uh, got a huge amount to do with it in terms of training. Um, because even if you think of like a professional athlete, how do you know how fast you can run? How do you know how uh, much weight you can lift? Usually it's by attempting to do it and you either do it or you fail. Um, but if you bring a certain element of science into it, it should help you to mitigate the chances for failure. That's, that's very true. So I guess one of the underlying messages is you got to be very, very brave to go into some show business like this. Uh, brave or stupid, one or the other. <laughs> or you just have a lack of, uh, I mean, one of the, the things that has been kind of interesting for it is, is it's a real testament to what the human body can do. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't call myself a hero. I mean, that's words that you put on me. 
Uh, but I would say that, you know, when you really push yourself to the limit like that, um, you really find out that a human being is a pretty incredible thing. Oh, for sure. Like you're doing the stunt, but it also amazes a lot of people or it motivates them to try something that they've always wanted to. Well, that's one of the exciting things, especially, you know, we spoke earlier about working with Guinness World Records. We also did, uh, well, I mean, this applies to kind of anything. We, we also did a, a science book with Guinness World Records called Guinness World Records Science and Stuff. And in that element, we've done a few uh, giant science records that weren't these big physical records. A couple of years ago on Johnson Green at Guelph there for the Science Olympics, we uh, did the world's biggest uh, elephant's toothpaste experiment. And that actually kind of sparked that big internet uh, and YouTube craze a couple of years ago of people doing those giant elephant toothpaste where you saw YouTubers kind of going back and forth and back and forth doing bigger and bigger ones. We did the first one of those and it kind of took off from there. Um, so, you know, when you when you get to do something like that, that's really exciting because it's not a physically demanding stunt. But you get, we got to do it in front of 200 high school teachers and high school science students. And to talk to those kids afterwards and to chat with them, it really gets them excited about science and about seeing, you know, kind of the possibilities that are out there. Yeah, exactly. So that was exactly what my next question was going to be on is when you first start this kind of things like show business, right? It might be for just because you want to or makes you happy or you've always been curious that, to go into that field. So after being in there for a while and now meeting other students, like you said, inspires them to go into science. Would you say that there is now a message that sometimes you want to show your audience or like let your audience know about maybe science and the show business or anything in general? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we try to, to send people home with a message is that, you know, you can carve out your own path in history and it's up to you to kind of live your own life. Um, so anything is possible if you just push yourself in that direction. It might not be something as wild as, say, uh, lifting the heaviest weight from a hook through your forehead, which I also have the Guinness World Record for. It might be something that seems just as small a thing as public speaking, or it might seem something as just going back to the gym. But, you know, you can, nobody can stop you besides you. You can push yourself to do these things and to kind of live a fully fulfilled version of your life. It's there if you can just kind of push towards it. Um, in terms of science, the one thing that we like to try to do when we do the uh, kids shows for grade schools and for parks and for festivals and the Orbax and Pepper do science show um, is show them that science is for everybody, that it's accessible. We try to remove the boundaries from it, that, that it's there for the taking if you just want to engage with it. And if a couple of old weird looking tattooed dopes can do science, then science is there for anybody to do. For sure. And so now with, uh, COVID being a very big part of everybody's life and affecting it, it's probably giving you some time to sit down and make plans of maybe future stunts that you want to try or have thought of. So is there any little sneak peek that you might want to give the listeners of a possible stunt that you're thinking for in the future? I mean, 
I wish that I could say that I've been incredibly productive during COVID, but it's just like everybody else. It's taken a massive toll on my mental health uh, as well and just trying to get by day by day. So my biggest thing that I hope for coming out of this is that there's still places to do shows at once this is all done that we still have venues, live venues, live theaters, live clubs that people can go and actually use. I'm worried that, you know, with the economic turn that's taken place in the industry uh, over the last year, that that might be a long time coming. But just like everybody else, I'm looking forward to just getting back out there. And I wish I could say that I've been more productive, but I hadn't. Although that said, we've been trying to produce video content. So, I mean, that's something and we've learned a lot on that end. But man, I can't wait to get back out there and do gigs. Hopefully, hopefully everything stays, and once everything opens, people definitely want to go out. So hopefully, I hope so. Yeah, business can just uh, hold on for a bit longer. And once I think it's going to be a slow process, though. You know, I think you're going to see it rolling out over time, and I think there's going to be an uncomfortability with people, even even if say tomorrow everybody was vaccinated. Um, I think we'll see a longer period of time of people who just aren't comfortable with going back out into the world as it is. Yeah. Like continuing uh post code, like a pre yeah. uh, normal life. Yeah. But hopefully, I mean, we can only wish well, for the best. All you can do is hope for the best. And all you can do is try to make everybody's life as well as yourselves uh, a good one. So, you know, that's one of the, th- the biggest things to push is just to recognize that this is a difficult time right now. And everybody's going through a bit of a struggle and the kinder you can be to other people, even to strangers. Um, you know, the better it's going to be for everybody. Yeah, for sure. And so that's actually time's up and that's it. For oh, geez. We barely got into anything. Yeah. Well, but, if, if there's a couple things I could plug, if that, if that helps, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'd like to mention an initiative that I've been lucky enough to be part of over the course of COVID. Um, a colleague of mine and I uh, started a non-for-profit called Royal City Science, which has an end goal of, Uh, trying to build a science center in the city of Guelph. So we're really trying to get that uh, moving and we're trying we think that we have a great city here that would be fantastic to have a science center in and we're providing free programming for um, people who are in lockdown right now. So if you want to check out royalcityscience.ca, you can find out more information about that initiative there. For sure. But that's it for this week of Sci Section. Make sure you check out our podcast available on global platforms for our latest interviews.